Hello, and welcome to the Missionary Disciple Podcast by Catholic Christian Outreach. The aim of this podcast is to inspire, equip, and challenge you, our listener, to be an active and effective evangelist. If you have any questions about evangelization, please email us at podcast at cco.ca, and we'll answer them in a future episode. All right, let's dive in. Welcome back to the Missionary Disciple Podcast. Back with us is Father Sean, of course, my wife, Angel. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation about conversion. And I want our listeners to know that the church believes the goal of evangelization, the intention of us bringing the good news into the world is to bring about conversion, a changed life, metanoia. And I know, Father, you have a number of things you would like to say. You have some thoughts in regards to this idea of metanoia. Uh, what does that mean? Um, tell me a little bit about what. I love using words from other languages because they make me sound smarter than other people. And so when we oh. use words like metanoia and... <clears throat> That's um, passive aggressive right there. <laughs> Sushi, pizza, all kinds of foreign languages. I worked for a long time to be able to say the name of one of the documents from the Second Vatican Council, just because I think it makes me sound smart. It's the Apostolicum Actuositatum. But that took me a long time That's to be able impressive. to pronounce that. Exactly. This is why I practiced saying okay. it. But I thought, as we were talking about it last time, what do people understand when they hear the word metanoia? Because the word metanoia came up a couple of times mm -hmm. in the last podcast. So it's quite it's, impressive, huh? Metanoia, I know. My multiple Greek languages. My... Greek, yes. How is your Greek? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's about the same. So Suvalaki. <laughs> <laughs> Baklava. <laughs> anyway, it comes from this passage at the beginning of Mark's gospel. Uh, now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe in the good news. So that Greek word, metanoia, we translate in English into repent. So we, we're familiar with this word, verse. We're familiar that Jesus begins his, his proclamation of the gospel with the word repent. The kingdom of God is near. But I think what happens for us is that when we think of the word repent, what we most often think of is the moral call behind that word to repent, as if that's all that Jesus was saying. Repentance um, for us often is seen in moral terms in the sense that you were doing something wrong. You are bad, you're sinning, whatever. Repent. Yeah. Stop doing that, right? Stop sinning and be holy. Stop being bad and now be good. And and it sounds like if 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 the word repentance is primarily a moral term, it sounds like that's what that's what Jesus is saying. But what Jesus is really saying is you have to change your mind. And it's not it's not just it's not just to make a new decision, but it's 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 for your mind to now have the capacity to consider something that it never ever considered before. You need a new mind. You need a mind that can consider what Jesus is proclaiming as he makes that proclamation. 
What Jesus is proclaiming is the kingdom of God. With your old mind, you cannot imagine what it is that Jesus is saying. Wow. You need a new mind, a new way of seeing, a new way of thinking to welcome this news. And, and what Jesus is, is really inviting people into this new reality. Is there a moral dimension to it? There is a moral dimension to it, but we can't reduce it to only the moral dimension. So once I hear that invitation from Jesus, that a, there is a new kingdom, there's a new reality, there's a new possibility, there's a new way to live. Once I make the decision to enter into that, to give my life for that, it'll have all kinds of moral implications. Right. Wow, that is, I mean, uh, uh, that's just blowing my mind. I'm having metanoia right now. I'm thinking differently. Um, because in the coffee shop, having a conversation with somebody who might not necessarily be, you know, a bad person, right? Um, but we're calling them to metanoia. We're not saying, well, repent of your badness, right. but actually repent of your thinking. You know, change your thinking, meaning, and what you're really orienting your thinking to is, oh, Jesus is God and he's Savior, and he came to save me from my sin and my, you know, I was separated, you know, so it's, it's, it's an um, invitation to met, uh, to change the way we see our relationship with God in a way. But I know. think even that version, Jesus has come to save me from my sin, right? Mm -hmm. It, it comes from that, that, that moral kind of interpretation of the word repent because yes, Jesus has come to save me from my sin, but Jesus has come to establish a new kingdom, for that new kingdom to to uh, wow. to expand, to grow, for that new kingdom to encompass everyone yeah. and everything, I'm hearing you. sin has to be destroyed. So, so Jesus' desire to destroy sin is but one of the things that he comes to do in establishing a new wow. kingdom. Okay. Some of us have, have learned about the gospel through evangelicals who have a vision of the saving work of Jesus as primarily this, um, <clears throat> this juridical act where they see primarily Jesus as the one standing at your side as you stand before God who is a judge. Okay. And the God who is a judge knows all of your sins. You need to be able to answer to him. Jesus answers on your behalf about your sins. And that is part of what Jesus has come to do. But it is not the whole of what he has come to do because as Jesus comes, he also heals the blind and the deaf and the lame. Jesus multiplies food. Jesus walks on water. There are all kinds of things that he does that show that there is something more that has come into our midst than simply, again, this moral uh, restoration, this moral uh, renovation. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of, yeah, really speaks to this metanoia, this changing of thinking. Well, there is obvi obviously, you know, um, he died for our sins, which is essential, but you're saying actually he's uh, inviting us to a new way of living. Um, that it's it's kind of like we're a new creation. The Absolutely. kingdom of God has come, you know, like um, 
we see differently, we love differently, we act differently. So he's saving the whole body, if you will, not only just you know my bad parts, but just actually just even allowing what is everything about me to live differently. And um, so that's right in Revelation. Yeah. Right in Revelation, he says, "Behold, I make all things new." And this is the proclamation that he is making as he makes this proclamation that the kingdom of heaven is near. I'm going to make and restore all things, including creation. But again, for us as human beings, it's not something that's going to be done to us so much as if it's an invitation. Right. To enter into something. To enter into something. Yeah, because the danger of you know this, you know, uh, living differently is that okay? I can I can actually start living differently on my own. You know, I can you know just start being a nicer person and being more virtuous, and and somehow I just enter into the kingdom of God by just you know being better. You know, just modeling my life behind and doing what Jesus did, which is a good thing. But to be, um, we ultimately need Him to come. And it's a supernatural transformation. You know, I'm no longer, Second uh, Corinthians says, I'm a new creation. Mm -hmm. The old is gone, the, welcome the new, you know? Right. And so is it is it a spiritual conversion or is it just simply, you know, like I'm living differently now? So the first thing Jesus says is is repent. And, and, and what he's again saying is the change of your mind. You have to consider that there is something new before you. But the second thing he says is believe, believe. Now, again, we often think of that ter purely in mental terms, right? We think, um, okay, well, uh, there's a God. There's all kinds of people believe there's a God. But in the, the biblical sense, when you believe something, you are surrendering yourself over to that reality, right? So if, 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 if I believe that someone's a brain surgeon, I'm going to let him cut into my head. Right. But I have to believe that he's mm -hmm. a brain surgeon. Yeah. Right. right? It's not. It's not just uh, an idea out there that really has no impact on my life or or how I live or how my life is going to turn out. the The consequence of that belief is that he's going to cut into my head. I have to really believe that he is who he says he is. And if Jesus is who he says he is, that changes everything. Mm -hmm. If I will believe, if I will surrender, if I will give my life over to what I say that I believe. But what if, what if I don't, what, so you're saying actually the, the, the commitment, the, the decision, the, the giving God permission is actually essential to metanoia, the change, the transformation that happens? Or is it just, okay, I'll just say yes, but it's, I could, uh, you know, it's the yes or the commitment could be obscured, you know, it can kind of be watered down, which in the Catholic experience often, you know, there is no explicit invitation to make a decision. So how important is that to actually the transformation happening? Well, I mean, we talked a little bit in the last podcast about the difference between the initial conversion and ongoing conversion. Mm -hmm. So metanoia seen as the kind of transformation of my life, the uh, restoration of, of my 
the image and the dignity and so on that, yeah. that God gave me when he created me that has been has been damaged, twisted by sin because of the fall. Yes, I, I this ongoing project to conf, to conform my life to the grace that I've received, which is a bit basically to become more and more like Jesus. That's that's the project for the rest of my life. Now that I have entered into the kingdom, I want to live as much like Jesus as I'm capable of living. And it is the decision that begins that process. Really? It's the decision that takes me from the kingdom that I was living in into this into this new kingdom. And so yes, the understanding of that is critical. And and you say it's been it's been veiled in some ways uh, in the Catholic experience, and there's some truth to that. But but where it exists is in the baptismal vows. And you can say, "Well, I was baptized as an infant. Someone else made this decision for me." True, except that at every Easter, you are asked to make this decision publicly, explicitly, personally. Right, you're making this. Really, you're making the decision before God, and uh, in front of the community of faith. Mm-hmm. I reject sin, Satan, and evil. I choose God the Father. I believe in His Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That at least liturgically or sacramentally, that's where it's it's still present. Now, I grew up in the church. That was never communicated into me to me in a way that I understood what that moment was about. But that is what that moment is about because that moment mirrors the adults who are coming into the church at that moment Mm -hmm. in Easter, right? Mm -hmm. On at the Easter vigil. Um, so so that that idea of a decision. Again, it could be made clearer to people, but it's it's at it's least there. present. You're it's there. It's there, yeah. but it, unfortunately, it's kind of veiled in a little. It's just kind of caught up in the liturgical cycle of things. We need and, a teaching mass during the Easter vigil to yeah know what's going on. Yeah, I, I'm going to quote uh, Ratzinger, Pope Benedict um, now, but he talks a little bit about this believing, and I think it really speaks to what what you're saying, but. He says, believing is not an act of the understanding alone. I mean, you're not just, you know, okay, I, I you have know, come to believe that statement of faith. But he says, it, it's um, not a, a, just understanding alone, not simply an act of the will, not just an act of the feeling, but an act in which all the spiritual powers of man are at work together, the heart has had been touched by God's word that the whole structure of spiritual power is set in motion and unites in the yes of believing. I mean, there's so much in that that statement that we could talk a long time about it, but it really talks about, you know, the intellect, the will, and the heart. Right. So, you know, when we're talking about believing, you know, this is, is this kind of what it's saying here is that it's more than just, okay, I believe you know, the, more holistic. Yeah, it's. Kind of, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. But you know, just making that statement. But what do we really mean by believing? So again, if we're putting it in the context of the proclamation that Jesus makes, the kingdom is here. Something new, something unlike has ever been seen at any time in human history. It's a proclamation, but it's also an invitation. The invitation is to believe. 
because as I hear the proclamation, and even as I may be intrigued or attracted to what Jesus is saying, the question is, how do I enter in? How do I leave okay. the reality that I'm living in now and enter into the new reality that Jesus is proclaiming. How do I go from where I am to where he's inviting me to okay, go? I just want to stop there, uh, yeah. our listeners. Really, this is the hinge. You know, we're talking something really important, a conversation that's happening in a coffee shop with a friend, uh, with, you know, uh, maybe a family member around the kitchen table or in a small group. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're really, we're talking about evangelization. What you're saying is that we're standing kind of on the outside of the kingdom and how do you enter into the kingdom? Basically, how do you have metanoia conversion, a transformation and become a new creation? Um, so this is what you're suggesting. So listen up because this is really important. This is at the heart of evangelization. This is where evangelization becomes really exciting. Yes, and, and I think the, 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 the actual practical application is a lot of people in our culture feel like Christians are judgmental of everyone else. So they get this feeling that all Christians think that we're good, and we think that everyone who is not a Christian is bad. And therefore, the invitation is, you know, stop being the way you are, be like us. Mm -hmm. But this isn't, this isn't what Jesus is saying, and it isn't what he wants us to invite other people into. Again, as we said before, there, there will be a demand. There will be a moral demand. Change will be required. I will have to deal with sin in my life. Mm -hmm. But the reason that I have to do that is because I have entered into something new. I've entered into the kingdom of God. And there is no sin in the kingdom of God. Sin cannot remain. Jesus comes to destroy wow destroy yeah. all of it because again if we want to if we want to tap into what's in in human hearts right as opposed to making them feel bad about themselves first part of what we can do is we can tap into this desire that they have for a world that's better for a world that's perfect for all of the goods right. of this life never to come to an end right there are so many good things in this world mm -hmm. but they all eventually deteriorate they all eventually decline they all eventually end but Jesus is saying, no, like it was never meant to be like that. So, so the proclamation is we want to we mirror as much as possible what Jesus was proclaiming. And he's saying something is new. Anyone, anyone can enter into this. Anyone can be a part of it. Imagine something new. Imagine this kingdom. And then believe. Make a decision. Make a choice. Give the one life you have to live in this kingdom. How important is that choice? Like, can't you just kind of osmosis it into the kingdom? Can't you just kind of start modeling the behavior of the kingdom? Or like, how important is that decision? Like the, the commitment to entering into that kingdom? Like if we're in a coffee shop, we say, someone says, well, how do I get what you have? And you say, well, and this is often what hap people do is they say, well, just start, you know, like going back to church or start praying or just believe more. Or, you know, like, just stop doing what you're doing. And he said, okay, I'll do that. But uh, that seems to have been the model of the, 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 the suggestion when we evangelize, okay, just do something differently. Um, and that hasn't worked. It didn't work for me growing up. Um, so what, how important is that decision? Like, is it important? 
like in the coffee shop and we're talking to somebody and they say, yeah, I want what you have. I say, well, great. Just start doing something differently. Is that good enough or what? Yeah. The problem with doing something differently is, is this all about us? It's all about our effort. And, and all of us have enough experience of trying to change thing in our, change things in our lives, right? Whether we're trying to improve ourselves or lose weight or whatever, that, that we make a decision, we, 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 expend effort and we don't see the kind of change that we'd like we'd like to see. Jesus is saying first leave where you are and enter into what I'm offering you because it's in leaving where we are entering into what he's offering us that there is now a new possibility for how change will happen. Change is no longer simply going to be about my effort but now I'm going to enter into the place where the power to change is available. It's there. The power to change is in this new kingdom. The power to change is actually the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Well, this is, this is the kingdom, the spirit that lived in Jesus, that made possible all of the things that made the kingdom visible— the Holy Spirit is in Jesus to help him preach. The Holy Spirit is in Jesus to help him to heal. The Holy Spirit is in Jesus to help him deliver people from the devil. The Holy Spirit is in Jesus to help him work miracles. And eventually the Holy Spirit is in Jesus to raise him from the dead. So, so this new yeah. kingdom makes the Holy Spirit available to me. So but if I want the Holy Spirit, I have to enter into that kingdom. That's that. So there's a supernatural element to this. Like Father Bob talks about what we do is, is human, but what God does is supernatural. Right. So so we actually enter into, you know, the, uh, I mean, I'm simplifying, but a supernatural state, you know, like meaning we have the very life of God in us. Right. So how do you enter into that? Like, is it just, you know, you just go to church enough and then it happens or what, what, like, how do you say yes? And let's, let's look at a kind of a, a, co a coffee, shop, coffee shop conversation with a friend and they're saying kind of, I want what you have. And, and you share with them the truth, you know, God is love, that the fall has had an impact and, you know, uh, Sin has kind of disordered us and right. separated us. Right. But Jesus comes, you know, and, and you know, born of a, a, a virgin and lives um, and then eventually obediently accepts death on the cross, takes our sins, rises again. Um, you know, and I, so I've shared that now. They're going, wow, I never saw that before. Okay. Right. Now I understand a little bit. It's a little bit more clear. So how, like... Is that good enough now? I've done that. I've presented the truth, you know, and now go to church? Or is there something that, you know, I can actually have them enter into at that moment? Is there... So if it's a leading if, question, by the way, just like, no, and you've been you've been trying to lead me, and I'm doing my best to try and follow you. <laughs> but if we go back to the quote that we we just shared, Pope Benedict says, all of our spiritual powers, all of our spiritual powers unite in saying yes to God. All of our spiritual powers unite in saying yes to this proclamation that Jesus is making and say yes to, I'm going to live there. I'm going to live in that reality. I'm going to live in that kingdom. It's everything. 
and and the way that um, the way that Pope Benedict uh, summarizes it is it, it's an act of understanding. And Andre, I know you've worked very hard, and CCO in general has worked very hard to have people understand who Jesus is and what he's done. That's important. It's important for people to know who he is, why he came, what difference his life makes, what difference the cross makes, what difference the resurrection makes. People have to understand that, right? It's that clear and simple gospel. You want it to be clear and simple so people can understand it. So it's an act of understanding. I understand who Jesus is. I understand what he's done. I want him to do that for me. Can I just interject? In Dea Verbum, uh, paragraph five, it actually says on that point, when the truth is presented the way you've just presented the gospel, it says that the spirit proceeds, it actually goes ahead and actually stirs in the mind and the heart and reveals the truth of what has just been stated. So it's not just good information they're going yeah i want my life to be ordered there but actually there's 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 a quickening the of the spirit. yeah there's an action of the holy spirit there yes. that's going ah i never saw it you know what yeah jesus is that why so there that's kind of where the intellect is now is this what you're saying the intellect is going wow i see it in a way i never saw it before you know well, in any individual, I'm I'm not sure which of these three acts might be the more difficult. For different people, each one of these act of understanding, act of will, act of feeling might be different. Some might find the act of understanding easier. Other people might find the act of will easier and other people the act of feeling. But But really, to begin to live my life in the kingdom, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I have to make all three of those, all, again, as, as Pope Benedict says, all of my spiritual powers have to unite in saying yes to God in believing. Yeah. So the act of will then is, is a choice. It's a decision, Yeah. right? It's, 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 it's one thing to say, you know, I want to be healthier in the new year. It's another thing to get your butt to the gym and then to get your butt to the gym on a regular basis. That's your will. That's the act of the will. Now, uh, some people have been taught at Christianity that's also almost exclusively willing, right? Willing, working, desiring, trying, all of the kinds of things that, that you kind of referred to before. But it is important. It is important. And again, with the marriage analogy, you know, it, it's an act of will to make the vows, you know, to another person before God. But then the third thing is this is this act of feeling. And 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 that's where my my will and my understanding are not simply forced to do something as much as they are drawn. Oh, yeah, there there's the Holy Spirit right there. As much as they're attracted. <laughs> yeah. But but the Holy Spirit is working in all of these areas. Exactly. And we come alongside what it is that the Holy Spirit is doing in in other people. And so the best we can do is is try and discern what's happening in in this this friend this loved one and and what pope benedict has given us is a is a model it's it's a simple way to talk about a very very complex reality but with a model it enables me to participate to come alongside to let god use me to help another person so are they struggling with one of these areas in particular? 
is it understanding? Do they do they understand who Jesus is, what he's done? Do they understand the charisma, the the, the clear, simple gospel message, and what it means for their lives? Are they having a hard time giving up their will? And and again, this is a big one in our culture. We have a culture that that um, emphasizes personal freedom and autonomy. And that you exercise your personal freedom and autonomy by choosing whatever you want, whenever you want. So the idea of of giving over my will is almost, yeah. is, is difficult. It's countercultural, yeah. yeah. Very countercultural. But then the last thing is, and again, maybe maybe some kind of religious people who have had understanding and who have kept themselves in place by their wills haven't always experienced this this act of feeling. This, this love, this, this emotion, this desire, this attraction to something that is so much more beautiful, so much more perfect than anything anywhere in the world. What Jesus is calling us into is beyond our wildest imaginings. So would you say, okay, I'm just thinking again, I'm just trying to go back to that conversation in the coffee shop. I wish I'd feel free to kind of interject here, but, you know, the, the heart is really important. I, I know for us, we see it a lot, you know, as we do the discovery study over um, uh, like six weeks, it, their intellect is is being um, stirred up because we're presenting the the catechesis, if you will, of the kerygma. You know? Right. Uh, so they, they understand, okay, God's love, the fall, and then ultimately Jesus, you know, and then we have to respond. So they're intellectual. Okay, now they know what, what it's all about. Um, and the will, they're invited to say, okay, I do. You know, like it's like, okay, I, I'm going to choose this for myself. You know, like, and I, you make a really good point about we're giving up a will. So that's something we could talk a little bit about. But this other one, the heart, um, what we find is that in the discovery study, uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they, they have the intellect and they have the will, but there's something missing. So it's not this dramatic kind of this uh, uniting, this great metanoia that happens. But two weeks later, when they go to, you know, our summits, our Eucharistic Adoration Night, mm, and mm, they're invited mm. to give a yes again to come forward, you know, Jesus is there and and they're captured by who Jesus is, who God is in their life. Like it's almost like He captures their heart. It's mm-hmm. like oh, that's beautiful. And and now they bring the intellect, the will, and now the heart. And and there's this dramatic, profound, life changing, you know, um, entering into the kingdom. Um, this new reality that happens. And so yeah, this dynamic actually does happen. You know. So one of the th- one of the things that happened in 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 the Catholic Church was the uh, the beginning of a movement called the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Uh, we don't talk about the Charismatic Renewal in this podcast, so just this once. Just this once. But part of what some people I'm a charismatic. <laughs> part of what some people experienced in um, either prayer meetings or taking the Life in the Spirit seminars was a stirring at the level of the heart. There was a lot of pushback. And and the criticism from some people is, it says this is emotionalism, right? Emotionalism. And I would say, okay, it is emotionalism if this is an act of the feeling apart from an act of understanding, an act of will. But it's not full conversion if you're missing that either. 
Exactly. So, so again, this is a balancing. Mm. Kind of three. It safeguards from being over uh, emotionalism. It also uh, safeguards from inte- intellectualism. Right. You know, like I, mean, right. I just believe in all this stuff or even the will. It's right. like I'm going to, you know, work at this on my own. Right. So you bring in the three together and right. that's where metanoia happens. Conversion, real kingdom realities happen. Yes. The emotional part is the, the tricky one because you can have a – an intellectual conversation where maybe, you know, it's just rational or you can present the choice rational, but then like Caleb, you know, like having those decisions that he made on the bus and he knew it, he chose it. But then how do you uh, foster the engagement of the emotional side, the, the, the experience, the encounter with Christ? Like how do we create the circumstances for that to, to blossom? Well, actually, you know, that's a really good example um, uh, I, w- I was just talking to Caleb about his conversion, and he said actually after the conversion, after he made that decision on the bus, um, an intellectual decision um, of the will, but his, and he was, after it, he just felt so joyful. He said, I came mm-hmm. to the house and I just wanted to dance and celebrate, but we were going right into supper and I just, you know, and we started eating. Um, and he kind of forgot it, you know, but, um, but he, he actually said the reason he made that decision is that he was attracted to what he was seeing in others. So his heart was actually mm-hmm. longing for okay. that, you know, so, so in a way, you know, that's where the heart is like, so giving a testimony is really powerful because they're going, my heart. That's what my heart longs for. But even the message itself is actually draws the heart in through the spirit, you know, meaning, yes, I want forgiveness. I want this kingdom. So their heart is being won. So it's not emotionalism. It's like tears and crying. It's, I mean, it can be, but it's really, I'm captured by that. My heart is captured. It's not just like, I'm just going to do this or intellectually, you know, rationally, this makes sense. And I'm a Catholic and I'm just going to, you know, I believe in these things and I, you know, I do not believe in secularism, you know, whatever, you know, um, it might be. My question is still, how do you, how do you create the, the environment for the emotional, um, blossoming? I think you want to ask questions around longing and desire. We're not so much kind of creating it as as kind of drawing it out, mm-hmm. and and you're you're right in the sense that maybe certain environments appeal more to heart than to other things. But again, if it's the coffee shop conversation, it's it's like what what do you want? What do you desire? What do you long for above everything else? And, you know, humans being human, if, if, if they're willing to go there, if they're willing to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. right, there's a certain amount of vulnerability around this. So part of what we have to do is, is create a place where they're going to feel mm-hmm. safe to share. Well, most humans are looking for love. They're looking for acceptance. There's, there's that place in their heart that they've chased all kinds of things and nothing has quite, there's a, there's a hunger in there. There's a thirst in there. There's something in them that goes unsatisfied. And again, we can, we can sort of repeat the message, but, but part of what we want to tell them is, you know what it is that you're longing for, you know what it is that will satisfy Mm -hmm. you. It's, it's the one love that is perfect, that never ends, that will never disappoint you. 
and and sometimes I think maybe that's part of what frees frees people yeah. to sort of say well, you know if we yes. just go back to that coffee shop conversation you know um you know you're having a, a conversation with a friend and you know they say well i go to mass and i i get nothing out of it and i just i just like i'm bored um i can't pray well, you know basically there there's an angst in them but it actually expresses a desire for their heart to be captured meaning it's not being captured so they're bored or you know dissatisfied this is where your testimony is saying you know actually my experience is different mm -hmm. um and mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. and you know speaking to what is the kingdom really look like um what it should what the christian life should look like um then they're going their their intellect okay they okay yeah that makes sense jesus died for that okay get that but what he's offering wow that's 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 exciting. That's exactly what my heart has been looking for. So in that is is this, I think emotion is tied up in it. Um, you know, so I think also, you know, if you've spent any time listening to Bishop Barron, you'll know that one of the things that he promotes is beauty. So I think sometimes you know the 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 um, transcendentals that they talked about in ancient civilization, truth, goodness, and beauty. Truth, you know, is is the kerygma, right? And and the, the truth, the yeah. truth of it, and appeals to the intellect. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we want to put beauty in front of people because it begins to touch another place in the human heart. Beauty can create a longing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think I think goodness has has an attractive power to it as well. Um, when we share the life of someone like Mother Teresa, people. Um, uh, the life of Francis, right? The world has always been captivated by the life of Francis. Well, it's not just the, the truth that Francis teaches, but it's it's the attractiveness, it's the beauty, it's the goodness of his his very life. And so, so sometimes if if we feel like we're arguing about truths, but we're not quite reaching them, maybe we have to present something different to them, show them beauty, um, uh, show them goodness, and and see if that doesn't kind of stir the heart. Yeah. And I think in like real world happenings, like let's say on campus or in a parish, I think truth, goodness, and beauty play out with, first of all, having good, solid conversations about things that matter with mm -hmm. someone who understands the truth, speaks the truth convincingly, authentically, and that, that truthful conversation, which often doesn't happen for people today. Mm -hmm. they, um, there's such a, f a fear of saying what you you think or feel of um, political correctness mm -hmm. or of even vulnerability of sharing. Mm -hmm. So a truthful conversation about things that matter for eternity um, has an um, has a draw on the person's heart and the, the goodness of the community. So yes. that belonging in the community, the small group that you're in, the, the leader that's sharing, the the joy that's often mentioned. Mm -hmm. Maybe not even that like they can pinpoint it, but they're drawn to the community exactly. because I feel good with these people, but they didn't even know they're feeling good with these people. But that's why they keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And the beauty, I think, um, in CCO, we do a lot is like having adoration nights. And of course, yep. it's dim lighting, candles. We don't do it in the morning. We do it in the evening so that it's pretty. And there's pretty music. Not because music. it's pretty, honey. Oh, it's, we it's, like pretty things. But, yeah, okay. you know, beautiful music, a beautiful setting, and... Um, and, and creating the beauty so that they can, basically all of that is leading up to like encountering the Lord. 
Yeah. And it, it's a it's a drawing, but there's also like not just the, I think like I hear you guys kind of saying like this this emotional drawing in, but then there also has to be a direct encounter kind of experience where I think praying with a person. Well, I, I think or the person praying, you know that that there's a there's a direct encounter with the Holy Spirit or Jesus Himself, right? Well, and then there's the afterglow, like there's Caleb making the decision. And then walking away in a joy and a freedom and a lightness. So I feel like there's kind of like the before, during, and after of the emotions that can be um, indicators and drawers of and actually um, impetuses for mm. the conversion of heart. Okay, this is a, an excellent discussion. Um, you know, and I, I, our listeners, I'm sure you're recognizing how important this is to that evangelical conversation that we're having in a coffee shop, you know, this idea of, of conversion, but really coming together, our yes of conversion, you know, wound up in the, um, the believing um, intellectually, you know, the heart being captured uh, and the will being submitted. You know, these, these are really important discussions. And, you know, just your insight on it has been really helpful for me. I've even just listening to you, I'm going recognizing the gaps in my own understanding. Um, I understand it. You know, I look at it, I agree, but maybe there's, it's a missing element or I'm uh, not as full as it should be. Mm. And so what we're going to do in the, the next episode is we're actually going to break down, you know, uh, when we're having these conversations with people, you know, what is the area that's resisting? Is it the heart? Is it, mm -hmm. is it the intellect? Um, is it the will? And like you said, going alongside and, and being able to recognize it and then work with that yes. in the power of the Holy Spirit yes. uh, is actually going to help that that person be more open to giving their yes, yes, you know? And so that's gonna be the conversation uh, next episode. I'm really looking forward to entering into it. And and I'm sure you, our listeners, uh, will really enjoy this because it is really at the heart of evangelization. So thank you and, and God bless. See you next episode. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, comments, queries, quandaries, conundrums, or otherwise, please email us at podcast at cco.ca. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us and subscribe. Share us with your friends. Until next time, God bless.